Welcome to your most visionary life. On this weekly podcast, I chat with visionary humans and I'm asking them the one question that you probably want to know the answer to. How did they create, launch, and build the business of their dreams? My name is Kelsey Rydell and I am the founder of Visionary Life and the Visionary Method 90-Day Business Coaching Program for aspiring and startup entrepreneurs. The intention behind all of our visionary content is simple, and that is to plug you into the people, inspiration, and information that will help you to live and to lead your own most visionary life. As you begin to listen to the episodes, you'll discover one obvious and common thread, and that's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. This show will help you break down the intimidation behind launching a business, and it will shine a spotlight on people just like you with similar life experience who are creating the business and life of their dreams using the time-honored principles of consistent daily action. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Hey, visionaries. Welcome back to the show. This is a conversation with one of the graduates of the Visionary Method. So that is my 90-day business coaching program that runs every few months. And so today we are talking with Rebecca Rose Wall. Rebecca is a holistic life coach that works with clients to achieve their optimum balance, presence, and life force. Some of her many areas of expertise include self-care, anxiety, life transitions, which we talk all about in this show, relationships, and anyone who's sober curious. Uh, She is happy to specialize in that as well. So interesting story for you. Rebecca and I actually first met online, which seems to be a common reoccurrence in my life at this moment. Uh, On my Instagram stories earlier today, I shared that I was able to connect with someone who I have a lot of similarities with, who we found each other online about a month ago. Her name is Steph, and she lives on the West Coast. I'm here uh, more east in Canada. And we just had very similar life trajectories, went to the same school, are now teaching and both running group online coaching programs and kind of have similar visions and goals. And it's just wild that uh, we were able to meet each other. And even though we're not in the same place, able to connect and to share our challenges and our struggles. And this was all because of the fact that we met on Instagram. And so I can't remember if Rebecca and I met on Facebook or on Instagram, but I just want to constantly share the positive wins that I'm having with social media because I I do get a little bit upset when I hear people saying that social media is a waste of time and that it provides no value in our lives because I think that the people who are saying that simply haven't curated a platform for themselves where they can receive incredible friendships and incredible conversations and they haven't curated the people that they follow to be those that they would like to be inspired by and those that they would like to eventually be friends with. And I think that truly through social media, we can manifest who we want to grow closer to. So go unfollow everybody who who you're not interested in nurturing a relationship with and then go follow 10, 20 or 30 people who one day you would love to meet, 
who one day you would love to grab coffee with and start having conversations with them through their stories and through their posts and through things that really resonate with you. And if you're craving deeper relationships, if you're craving a network of people who maybe are working in the same industry, or like me, if you're an entrepreneur and sometimes you feel that sense of loneliness and is there anybody else out there, then social media is such a great spot to find those connections. And so Back to how Rebecca and I first met. So we met through social media, and as I was launching The Visionary Method, her and I had started up a conversation. She was just moving um, across the U.S. with her husband and making a big life transition, shutting down her role as a a yoga studio owner. Uh, She sold the business, actually, and moving across uh, the States and starting a new life in her new home. And so she joined the Visionary Method at a great time. Although there was tons going on, she made it work. She showed up to every call, and she was able to launch her signature coaching packages, both private and group. And I'm just so proud of what she's created in such a short amount of time. And I really do have zero doubts that it's only just the beginning for her. And this journey of running a successful private and group coaching program is truly uh, just in the, the kickoff phase. So Rebecca, I'm so honored to have had you on the show. And I can't wait for everybody to hear this episode. But before we dive in, I, I'll give you some life updates, some visionary business updates and all that good stuff. So at the time of this recording, it is the weekend, and on Monday, so April 8th, I'm actually headed back to a place that's very special to me and to Dave, uh, Prince Edward County. And if you have never been before and you live in Ontario, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's such a gem up there. And Dave and I first went uh, about exactly one year ago after I interviewed the founders of the June Motel. So you can scroll back in the feed and find my interview with April and Sarah, who started the June Motel. And it is this converted motel in Prince Edward County. And it used to be a fisherman's motel, and they've turned it into this Instagrammable, stunning, cozy, all the best products motel where you can stay a night or two or go have your bachelorette party there. And it is honestly one of the coolest experiences that we've ever had. Showing up to the June Motel and just seeing what they've created was very inspiring. So definitely go check out that episode if you haven't listened already. A couple months later, I ended up going back to Prince Edward County just on my own, and I did a podcast tour. So I went up and I interviewed uh, quite a few of the business owners in the county. It is a place where a lot of creatives and a lot of um, very inspiring people who want a cozier feel for their life and maybe don't want to live in the big city anymore, they move to and they launch their dream businesses. So you might recall I interviewed Samantha from Parsons Brewery, which is Uh, just such an awesome episode. Definitely go listen. I interviewed Jessica from the Parlor Studio. Uh, We talked to the owners of the Vic Cafe. I talked to the owners of City Revival, which is a used clothing store. So there was so many great episodes. You'll have to scroll back and find them. But I did not have time to get to all of the incredible businesses that I wanted to. And so 
I've decided to go back. This time I'm going for three days. I am so excited. It's going to be really busy. I don't even really have time to take a breath between interviews. I'm recording at least seven while I'm there, so it will be uh, a bit of a jam-packed trip, and I'm bringing our dog, Abby, with us because Dave's away. So her and I are going to trek up there, and we are going to go meet some people and produce another podcast series for you. So I will be releasing those episodes weekly, uh, probably starting end of April, early May. And then from there, uh, I will be putting together kind of a compilation of everything for the Build a New Life blog. And the county is actually helping to sponsor uh, this series, and so I will be featuring a really detailed blog and compiling every episode that we've created on their buildanewlife.ca. And if you haven't checked out that website and you're curious what's going on in PEC, definitely head to that website. So really excited to keep you posted. I'll be doing lots of Instagram stories while I'm there. So that's probably the best place to follow along at Kelsey Rydell, K-E-L-S-E-Y-R-E-I-D-L on Instagram. In terms of the podcast, too, I'm really excited because we are bringing on a new sponsor, a sponsor that's probably going to be with us for a long time. So I've been doing this podcast for about 14 or 15, maybe 16 months now. And finally, we are starting to bring on partners. And that really makes me smile because it just means that I can continue to put the show out for you and be sponsored for it and to be compensated for my time, right? So I will be hopefully announcing that in the next month or so. It's a company that I really enjoy. I shop there. I love their products. And so uh, as soon as that's official, I will be revealing who that is with you. Last little note before I turn this over to Rebecca, the Visionary Life Retreat is coming up really fast. Like, do you know when you plan something or maybe some of you are are married and it's like when you first booked your wedding date or you first plan something, it seems so far away. Like I've been planning this retreat for two months, I think. And I thought, April, that like that'll never come. And I've got so much time. Well, I blinked. It is one week away tomorrow, and I'm beyond excited. I'm definitely doing all the things for this retreat, so the food coordination, the content, uh, making sure that we have all of our props and items and swag bags, and oh my gosh, there's a lot going on in my head right now. And so it's definitely a lot of work, but it has been a vision on my heart that I, I knew I needed to do it. I wanted to create more in-person experiences and to connect with my visionary community face-to-face rather than just purely online, you know? So this has been something that's very important to me to do, and I think it is my calling, and uh, I didn't want to ignore it, so I just started planning it. And uh, my advice to you would be, when you get those hits, when you get this hit that's like, oh, I need to start showing up, or I need to share um, my passion for XYZ, or... I really think I need to go travel. Uh, This happened with my Prince Edward County podcast tour. This was not in the plans. And then I started a little message train with Jessica from the parlor studio. And it just hit me. I need to go back. And I didn't question it. I just, I opened my calendar. I found a three-day period and I said, I'm going. And I booked a Airbnb. And I didn't question it. I didn't wonder why am I going? I didn't 
overanalyze. Is this smart? Is this a good time? It's actually not a good time. I am hosting the retreat on Sunday and I could use this whole week to prepare. But besides the point, I, I listen to the voice and something I guide all of my community to do is to tune out the noise of the world and to start listening to your inner voice, right? The one that tells you exactly what you need to do, but we crowd it out. We, we really do. So I got the hit that I need to be in Prince Edward County in April, and so I'm going. And I got the hit that I need to be running this retreat before summer comes, and so I'm doing it. Um, the retreat might be sold out when you're listening to this. I do have two tickets left. I've been sharing on my Instagram as the tickets go because the venue's cozy, it's small, and uh, we can't hold more than 25 people, so sorry. Um, but yeah, grab a ticket, 39 bucks if you're a client of mine, uh, and they mostly are all coming, and 69 if you are not a client, which honestly, it just helps me cover the food um, as well as some of the swag bag and the venue rental. So I'm not even upcharging on this. It's really a steal. And if you're not coming, well, what are you waiting for? So head to my website. You can go to kelseyridle.com slash retreat if you'd like to grab a ticket. If you have questions, just shoot me an email, hello at kelseyridle.com. And um, if that day doesn't work for you, but you still want to work together, all you need to do is shoot me an email or head to my website, check out my coaching packages, right? I've got my one-to-one signature packages that most people uh, work with me with, and there's a six-pack or a 10-pack, and they are transformational. Um, Coaching changed my life, and I can say that hands down. When I hired my business coach a couple years ago and started working with her consistently, consistently, everything changed for me everything. I would not be where I am today without a coach because otherwise there's loose timelines, there's scattered thoughts, you're throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. That doesn't work, right? Like people who work in nine to fives have it good because they've got a task list usually and a job description and a growth trajectory and someone's coming up with projects for them to work on and to fill their time. But When you're trying to do something yourself, maybe you're starting with a little side hustle or passion project, or you want to scale up your business and stop working inside of it, or you want to finally quit your job that you hate, hire someone. Like, don't assume that you can do this alone because you can't. And I'm just going to be straight up because I know through experience, I would not be where I am today without my coach. And I invested a lot of money in her because she spoke to me. And we when we first had our, our very first uh, Zoom communication, I, it just clicked that I need help. And I, I stopped being afraid of the monetary investment that was holding me back for so long. Well, it's going to cost so much money. And no, it's an investment in the future you, right? Same way as coming to this retreat is an investment in the future you. The same way that paying for a gym membership is an investment in the future you. Buying organic foods or just buying good whole foods, right? And so never be afraid to take those leaps that are going to improve you, improve your life, improve your business, 
Woo! I'm going to get off my pedestal and uh, that's it. Please enjoy the episode. If you haven't already, I'd love if you would rate and review. If you pop open your phone, if you could just do this right now, I really would appreciate it. Pop open your podcast app, uh, search Visionary Life. And then when you see my podcast come up, you're just going to click on the show image, scroll all the way to the bottom, and then you're going to see an ability to rate and review, okay? So you can tap how many stars you would like. You can also write a review uh, and say whatever you want. And just be honest, I, I really, really appreciate it. So thanks so much for tuning in as always. And I will catch you on the other side of the episode. Bye everyone. Rebecca, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. It's so fun to be able to chat with you, although this time we're just on audio and normally I'm used to seeing your beautiful face. So it'll be awesome to catch up and to share your journey with the listeners of how this whole life has unfolded for you. And just to give some context, you were a student in the last round of the Visionary Method. So Although we have wrapped up our time together, I know our paths will continue to cross and I'm just really excited to shine a spotlight on you today and to share your journey with everyone who's tuning in. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I want the listeners to get to know you through some rapid fire questions. So you can just answer whatever comes to mind and we'll start with a really simple one. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a really small town called Clarendon Springs in um, like mid Vermont. Mid Vermont. Was that like among the mountains? Was it mountainous where you were? Yes. Yeah. So if anybody knows the East Coast at all, it's um, right at the base of Killington. Um, so the Killington was our mountains. So that's like the main resort um, associated with the, like the mid center of Vermont. So it's right around that area, and there's tons of mountains uh, known as the Green Mountain State, lots of cows and farm fields, so pretty rural, but um, really nice and quaint little small town. So it's kind of like the Gilmore Girls small town um, vibe. <laughs> oh, it sounds beautiful. I live in yeah. here in Canada, so sometimes I just dream of like living at the base of a mountain and having that at my footsteps. So. Very cool. Um, what is one thing you do every single day that's non-negotiable? Mm. I get dressed and put on mascara. <laughs> oh, and why do you do that? Why is that your non-negotiable? Yeah, well, I work from home. So it's pretty easy to just wear whatever you want. You know, you can wear leggings or yoga pants every day. And Getting dressed is more of a ritual for me. So it's, I really think about who I want to present to the world, even though I am just staying at home. When you, you know, pick out what you want to wear, to me, it feels like you're presenting that to the world. So you're showing up as your inner self through what you have on. And mm -hmm. so it, it helps me set the mood for the day, whether it's, you know, really productive or if I'm, you know, working with clients. And so I do that. And then mascara is just, I don't wear pretty much when I'm not going out, I don't wear any makeup. So mascara is just that little oomph for me. It just makes me 
uh, feel put together. I really like that. I think it is important to kind of have that separation from when you roll out of bed in your PJs to your workday, even if that is at home and you don't have to change or you don't have to put on any makeup, but it does just help you to feel like a real human being and you're stepping into that role of business owner and of coach or whatever it is that you're doing. And just to kind of, I don't know, ditch the scrubs and, and be a little bit more professional. So I think that's a really good point. Um, what's one business skill that you're currently working on improving or that you're learning about right now? Mm. So this would be my social media skills, mostly growing my social media presence, showing up. Um, I would say that's probably the biggest thing that I'm working on right now. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And is there a person or a book or a podcast that's impacted your life? I would say I put a lot of thought, I put a lot of thought into um, this over, you know, the visionary method thinking about, you know, you've asked that kind of, kind of question a few times and it's yeah. definitely made me think about that and to be honest I, a lot of it really comes back to um, my husband he's been really influential in my life just really supporting me and pushing me outside of my comfort zones and um, even when you know I have those moments where maybe I don't believe in what I'm doing or I'm, I don't believe in myself um, he comes back and reminds me about you know what my journey has been and um, kind of gives me that pep talk. So, you know, he's somebody who I, who I lean on and who's probably, you know, been there for me throughout my journey. So, um, yeah. Very cool. And that's so amazing that you do have a supportive partner. And I think that's something to be extremely grateful for because that's uh, really important when you come home at the end of the day and in the mornings to have that person who is going to stand by your side and get you through those tough days, especially as a business owner too. So now I want to zoom the lens back and let's learn more about your upbringing. Like, who were you? Where did you go to school? Walk us through what your interests were, um, where you lived as a kid, just to kind of set the stage for then how you ended up um, getting to where you are today. Okay. So I'm going to jump in. Yeah, I grew up in a really rural setting in Vermont. Um, and I grew up really religious. My parents were very strong in the church. So I grew up going to church a couple of times a week. And I never really connected uh, with the church. I never really felt like it was what I believed. And so I went through a lot of years of kind of back and forth, you know, trying to get into it to please my parents, but really knowing in my heart that there was another path for me and that this wasn't the right path for me. So that caused a lot of conflict between my parents and I. And so um, I did go to public high school. I was homeschooled for uh, my elementary school years. And then I, pretty, I fought pretty hard and um, got my parents to let me go to public school for high school, which was definitely a tough transition because, again, it's a small small town so a lot of these kids had been together for all of elementary school so it was not only me breaking in as somebody who'd never been in a public school setting before but then also trying to break into these cliques that were really well established so there was definitely some struggle there there was some 
loneliness. And I was definitely trying to find my way. I thought this was the time where I found yoga. So I found yoga at the age of around 14, 15 right at that time. So I really started practicing, you know, early in high school. And then I met a couple of really close friends throughout high school, which really was my rock and my anchor. And then I joined, I joined the music scene and the theater scene. And that was really my first time where I really felt like I had a community and I had a stage literally and figuratively where I could really show up as myself. And so I really loved theater. I, um, that was just a highlight of my, probably my high school years. So then after that, I decided to, I also really didn't like high school. So it was like this love-hate relationship because I just, I've never been somebody who really, uh, traditional school settings were never very congruent to me and my personality. So I decided to graduate early and went to France. And that was when I, let's see, so, um, so I was 17. So I was 17 when I went to France. And that's when I really started to connect with myself. So I had had some trauma growing up and I had had some, um, some stuff before I went to France that, that really impacted me. So I was, you know, coming right off of a lot of things that were disconnecting me from my body. Even though I had practiced yoga, which was my mainstay through those years, I was still really disconnected from myself. So I did a lot of journaling in France. I probably journaled every single day. Um, just trying to connect with myself, trying to connect with what I wanted in life. And it was in France. I, I traveled a lot throughout Europe, but it was in France that I connected with somebody who meditated and they taught me meditation. So we would go and we would, I worked, I was woofing at the time. So I worked on a farm and after the farm work was done, we would go and we would sit in the fields and just meditate. And it was such a, almost the real moment like being in the beautiful French countryside you know 18 years old and um meditate it was just it was amazing so that was when I started so I was journaling and I wrote in my journal that this is what I wanted to do with my life I wanted to dedicate my life to yoga to meditation to helping people organize their thoughts to organize their lives and to really create a deep intimacy with themselves through these practices. Mm, so cool. Now I kind of want to go back a bit. You mentioned a couple times feeling disconnected from yourself, especially before mm. you went to France. I, I know that many, many, many people are feeling this right now, but I don't know that they're aware of it right? They're working jobs that they hate. They're numbing with drugs, alcohol, with surrounding themselves with friends and people who don't fill their cup up, who are, are not in alignment with who they want to be. I'm wondering, can you just describe what did it feel like for you to be disconnected from yourself? Like, what was that like now that you're, you can look back and identify that? Mm. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me, and I'm, you know, for me personally, I felt like I wanted to constantly escape my body. Mm. So I felt like 
I was just constantly in emotional pain. And maybe I wasn't, I was aware of it. I was probably less, I'm more aware of it now looking back, but I know I was aware of it on some level then. Um, and I knew I wasn't really, deep down, I wasn't really happy. And there was a lot of frantic thoughts. So my mind was constantly frantic and I had no control over my emotions. I was like a emotional roller coaster and I couldn't connect with myself with knowing what I wanted, with knowing like what I wanted as simple as what my body wanted to nourish itself, like what kind of foods it wanted to eat. And then also on the other spectrum of what I wanted in life. I mean, I know I talked about, you know, journaling with the yoga and the meditation, but as far as other than that, I really had no idea what I really wanted um, my life to look like. So it was very hard for me to connect those things. And again, it was the frantic thoughts, just always go, go, go. And my emotions being in the front, the, the driver's seat. Mm. And so I would constantly be reacting to my environment as opposed to responding. And I talk about that in my coaching a lot. So reacting just like out of emotion rather than stepping back, taking a pause, taking a breath and being like, okay, how do I feel in this moment? How does my body want to respond? Um, and then really listening, saying, okay, how does my body feel? Like, do I feel anger in my body? Do I feel happiness in my body? Like really connecting with what my body is telling me, not my mind or my brain or my rational brain, because, you know, we have so many external forces going on that sometimes our brain doesn't actually know what we want. So we have to tap into our body and to our, into our, um, to our gut and everybody feels their gut in different places. But for me, I, I feel it in my literal gut and that's what I really tune into. So I was very disconnected from, from being able to, to know, um, to know what fed myself spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Mm -hmm. And I think this could probably even feel daunting for some people listening who are like, wow, she just described exactly what I'm going through. Maybe they're having a little midlife crisis, realizing they are very disconnected. You mentioned journaling, meditation. Um, what are some other just quick tips? Because I know we don't have I would love to talk to you all day just about this topic alone because I know it's so important, but if you could offer up just a few high level tips to someone who is feeling that disconnection from their self and from their life right now, what would be those few specific tips that you could offer? Absolutely. So one of the biggest things is just awareness. Awareness because when you when you are that disconnected from your body, sometimes it's really scary to connect with your body. It's really scary to go there. And so the first step is awareness, awareness of your breath, awareness of your body, just becoming aware of yourself. That would be step number one. And then step number two would probably just be learning to breathe as a full breath and not just breathing into the upper region of your body. So most of us on a day-to-day -day basis will breathe into the ribs and into the heart region. So it's the upper part, but very rarely do we take the deep breaths that go all the way into our belly, you know, into our lower back in that area. And one of the things that 
I do to, well, I do it now subconsciously, but a lot of the times when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed or I'm starting to feel those motions of anxiety or anything that's starting to get in the way of me connecting with my body or myself, I take that deep breath all the way into the belly, you know, into the low back and then bring it up into the ribs and into the heart region. And I would say those two things will be huge game changers. Mm, I'm like breathing alongside you as you say that and it just feels mm-hmm. good. So thank you for that. I encourage all the listeners to rewind that and do it one more time. Um, okay. So let's go back to you're in France. I want to kind of spend some time here with the transition from you traveling, woofing and uh, working on the farm in France to, did you come back to real life? in the US after that? And what did that transition look like? And the reason why I ask is because I know that so many people in their 20s and 30s have these really great opportunities to be able to travel, to escape, maybe it's for a year or for a month, and they feel like the best version of themselves when they're away. But when they get home, it's like everything reverts back to normal. So what did your transition from France, what was the next step? And what did the trajectory look like from there? Yeah, (laughs) I definitely did not want to come home. I definitely align with what you're saying. Like it definitely felt like my best self and I just wanted to stay there. But again, that was, it wasn't real life because I had to come home and I had to, yeah, make that transition. And so it was actually pretty, it was a pretty rough transition. Again, I think because I was so resistant to coming back and because I hadn't really dealt with those traumas yet, I, you know, for me dealing with, you know, the stuff that had happened to me in the past, it was a very, it was a journey that started, you know, with the journaling, but it was probably a five year journey of actually, you know, getting into therapy and getting into, um, getting into those modalities that really helped heal me. So it was a very long journey starting when I, yeah, when I did come back from France and I decided to go to school because there was a lot of pressure on me to, to do that, to go to school, to get my bachelor's degree. Um, And I probably would not have done that if it wasn't for those pressures. And I don't regret anything, but I do, um, I do wish there was more encouraged because I would have gone right into like the yoga modalities and meditation and and learning that trade as opposed to going to school. Um, So immediately it was again, kind of butting up against the resistance of what was expected of me from my parents. And there was just so much pressure there as opposed to what I really wanted to do with my life. And I was constantly battling. And I think this is something that, I think a lot of people can um, understand or relate to that, that pressure, that the familial pressure that is put on you and those expect those expectations. Um, And especially even I'm sure you, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's not the most um, common path, I guess, or the most, you know, so, so I'm sure, you know, I've heard you talk about how people can, you know, have judged and stuff like that. So you know, and I know that my parents were always acting out of love. It was never out of anything else. Um, they wanted the best for me, and that's what they thought was the best for me. So I felt like the best thing for me to do was to 
studies, social work, and sociology. And that would be um, what would be really fitting for, for what I wanted to do with my life. So I always kind of knew that along with the yoga and along with all of these things, I wanted to also work with people on a really intimate basis. So I thought with social work, maybe I would open a private practice and go into therapy. So I kind of had all of these things mulling around in the back of my head. And then on the flip side, while I was in school, I also got into a relationship that was not a healthy relationship. And I was in that relationship for about three years. And that really, really challenged me. Um, and there was a lot of pain that came out of that. There was a lot of growth as well. Um, and I learned a lot about myself, but that just kind of added, it added to the disconnection, but at the same time, it kind of forced me to, to have a real moment, almost like a come to Jesus moment, uh, where I was like, okay, something has seriously got to change in my life. Things didn't really change until a little bit later, but this is again, that five-year journey that I, I worked slowly. <laughs> So, um, so then as well as while I was in school, I also took a job in hospitality. I'd always kind of, kind of been in the hospitality field to uh, support myself. And so while I was in school, I took a job as a manager for um, events and weddings at a local wedding resort. And so I was doing pretty big weddings and events, and it was a lot of responsibility, and it taught me a lot about being your own boss, because I was my own boss in some ways being in a management position and I was managing staff. I learned how to, how to work with people, how to work, how to uh, work with brides, their mothers, their families. So did a lot of negotiating. I learned a lot of mediation and working with people to, to get the best out of them, you know, whether it was for the job um, or for the task at hand. Very cool. Um, okay, so you're back from France, you're working in the wedding industry, and then when does your India trip come into play? Mm. Okay, so let's see. So India was about, was my senior year of college, and I had, um, so, the, so about a year had gone by um, since I had exited that past relationship. So I took almost, so I, I left that relationship around November, December. And then I took about a solid, I don't know, almost a year to really, really just, I was single. Um, I was living by myself. I had my own apartment and I really started to create that connection with myself again. And I remembered, you know, when I was in France, one of the things that I really wanted to do was to visit India because I had that love for yoga. Mm -hmm. And so I was presented by one of my philosophy teachers, um, an opportunity to study abroad in India the January after. So it'd been about a year after that relationship and uh, that year, that year of reflection, I like to think of it as. And so he offered that if I, and I was teaching yoga at this time. So he offered that if I, wanted to teach some yoga classes, he would give me um, a partial scholarship to go on this trip. 
So I was like, this sounds like a dream come true. I would absolutely love that. So I packed my bags and um, I left like the day after Christmas for about a month. And that was, I met another yoga teacher on the journey. And that was, yeah, that was absolutely pivotal in my life. 100%. Awesome. And so now let's bring it forward because I know all the listeners are probably wondering what your business trajectory has been like. And I know that there's probably so many more things that happen within this whole time span of you just discovering yourself and finding this new path of yoga and really living more in alignment with who you wanted to be. But bringing it forward, I know that when you were in Vermont, you launched a yoga studio. So because this podcast is all about highlighting entrepreneurs and their, their entrepreneurial journeys, I think I want to spend some time here learning about when did the idea to create a physical space, which ultimately manifested into a studio. When did that idea first hit you? And then can you walk us through the process of how you brought a space to life and launched your studio? Yes, absolutely. So going back to, you know, France and, you know, that whole journey throughout school, it was always in the back of my mind. It, and a lot of this, I think, is kind of society, too, that it's like, okay, so if you're, if you're dedicating your life to yoga, then the kind of natural next step is to open up a studio. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of always in, in the back of my mind that that was something that I wanted to do. And that was something that I told. So when I met my husband, I was kind of like, okay, I don't really know. Like, I was on a fork where I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And... Like I, I had mentioned to him that one of the things that I was considering was opening up a yoga studio. And so we, one of my friends came into town, she was moving back to town and um, I had some, I had some, uh, we all, we had some family friends that were renovating this beautiful downtown space uh, in the downtown Rutland where I had moved. Um, and so I took her to the space and, I was like, you know, what do you think? And da da da. And this was for her to move into an apartment. And she was like, okay, I don't know if I like it or not, you know. But then on the way out, my family friend, who uh, was the owner, kind of not uh, kind of took me by the side and was like, hey, Kevin mentioned to me, that's my husband, that you um, may want to open up a yoga studio. And if you want one of these spaces, I will totally work with you in creating it how you want it to be um, if you want to open up a studio. And this was in about September. And she was like, but they'll be ready in January. So I'm like, okay, that's like a couple, you know, a few months away. Um, I was like, yeah, I really, I didn't even think about it. I was kind of like, yeah, no, I mean, I really appreciate it. But I just, you know, I, I was thinking like next summer or, you know, a year from now, like that's really, really close. And so then um, I went home and I talked to Kevin and, you know, Kevin kind of always has, he always kind of knows things. And he, he had planted the seed with her and he kept, cause he knew that I was ready, even if I didn't realize it myself. And so he um, was kind of like, well, just think about it. And then he, he just kept going back to like, what does your body say? What is your gut? What is your gut telling you? You know, just sit with it for a little while. 
And the more I sat with it, the more everything in my body was like, do it. Like I had my brain telling me all the cons or like, you know, all the reasons why it would fail or, you know, whatever. But my whole body was like, oh my gosh, you know, you want to do this so bad. So I called her up, you know, a few weeks later um, and was like, okay, I want to, I want to take the, take the space. And this was just, it was just studs at this point, you know, nothing had been kind of built out. So we worked together to totally design the space. um, And it was absolutely gorgeous. It was absolutely gorgeous. It's, you know, renovated on the third floor of an old, like, I want to say like 1800s, you know, building. So it has the old industrial feel. It's like a loft and it had the brick walls and it had a um, view of the whole city. So it was really, really stunning. Um, And that was a moment where I had to step into my power. I kind of had to be like, okay, it's sink or swim. Like you made the commitment now, just it's time to just move it. And I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I had had, um, I had a couple of small businesses before because I just have the, you know, the entrepreneur bug. And, but I had never had a brick and mortar and I had never had something to this scale. And I was also the lead teacher. And in the beginning, I was teaching all the classes. So I was teaching like, I think at one point I was teaching 26 classes a week. And, um, yeah, (laughs) and also running the business and trying to hire teachers. And, um, just because again, it was like that small time frame from, I think it was like by the time we signed, you know, got everything finished, it was like October and then you've got the holiday. So it was just, it was pretty, it was a pretty intense timeline. And then we were also, I couldn't get into this space until days before opening because it was a construction site. So it was intense, but it was amazing. It was like a rush and it was, it was just, it was incredible. And that was definitely a huge milestone for me. And I learned, it was like, I like to tell people it was the best business school I could have gone to because um, it was so hands-on. I mean, I learned, I learned everything to do. I learned things not to do and um, met an incredible community. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. And I think, you know what, like the fact that you had that short turnaround time, September to January, you didn't really need any more time than that to feel ready. I'm sure even if you had two years, it wouldn't have helped you to get the experience that you got just by going through it and being in the thick of it. And that truly is the best learning experience. So I know that a lot of people listening to this podcast are in the wellness space. And I know many of my clients and people that I chat with are desiring to open a physical space, uh, whether it's to teach yoga or to have a office where they practice out of. I'm wondering during those three months or four months that you had to get this whole business, this yoga studio together so that it was going to be operational by January, what were some of the really key things that you had to do and had to focus your time and efforts on um, besides the renovating of the space, I would say? What did you put time into? Was it business planning? Was it marketing? Was it scheduling? Like, what were those things that you feel really helped you um, get the business ready for January? Mm. So for me, I would say the two biggest things that I really spent time on were my website and social media. Mm. So I did spend time on my business plan and I spent time on, you know, all that kind of other stuff. But I really in this day and age, I was like, I know that once people start hearing that there's going to be a yoga studio, the first thing they're going to do is Google it. 
Yeah. So I was like, they, they need to have something where it's like, even if it's the site isn't up and it's just, hey, it's a work in progress, we're going to be opening at this time, you know, this day, um, yeah. just have some something up. And then same thing with social media was, you know, when you're in a small town, um, you know, I think there's the actual heart of not the county, but the city of that I was in was about 17,000 people. So it's pretty small. And so, you know, I, I knew I needed to get the word out there and the best way was word of mouth. So I was like, I, it was really very grassroots where I was like, tell my friends, share it on Facebook and then, you know, create the Facebook page and, um, you know, just start sharing, sharing, sharing and doing the Facebook lives, you know, all of that stuff to kind of build the hype. Um, and then, and then making sure that there was something for them to see the landing page. Um, this is our schedule. This is, you know, this is what going to be offered and really trying to answer all of the questions that people might have to reduce because I was so busy doing everything else I wanted to try to reduce the amount of questions that people were going to be fielding to me so I wanted to make sure that I had you know all the questions answered you know the pricing the space the pictures of the space um, you know all of those kinds of things um, that people would want to know if they're going to be investing time and money into coming and taking uh, any kind of fitness class or any, any kind of class. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important really for any business is uh, like think ahead of what are people's common concerns and objections and questions going to be, and then make sure that you write your website to answer all of them. So just put yourself in the place of your target consumer, uh, because before they spend money, they are going to have a lot of questions. So it's good that you were thinking that out. Now, how long did you run this studio for? Mm. So I ran it until September. So I opened officially in January. And then from January to September, ran it and then sold it in September. So it was less than a year that you were involved. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea that it was that fast. So walk us through, like, did you love it? Was it stressful? Did you find it really difficult being the manager and the lead teacher? What was that eight months or whatever it was of your life like? Mm, all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were, you know, I'm, I was a solopreneur, you know, so in some ways I found it super lonely. And at the same time, so, you know, we didn't talk about this, but I act, I decided to, you know, part of my um, disconnection from my body was substance abuse. And so um, when I decided to open up the studio, that was one of the big ma main life changes that I knew I needed to make was to get sober. And so I got sober right at the time, you know, right before so I got sober in October and I opened in January. And so throughout that transition, of you know get you know my sobriety you know my journey of sobriety and then opening up the studio um it was very lonely at times and so that was one thing that i really probably wasn't expecting um so i really had to reach out and get a community and thankfully you know god or the universe whatever you want to call it brought me some really really beautiful um angels that just came alongside me and they're still very good friends with me today. You know, we still talk and um, everything we met through the studio. Um, but it was tremendously difficult. You know, it was a lot of, lot of long hours. Um, you know, I mean, you're running everything and you're teaching. So, it's, you know, 
the t- hours that I wanted to work on the business, sometimes I weren't, I wasn't able to because I was teaching the classes, but have to make that up either before, you know, in the morning or at night. And so, you know, and that's where having a supportive partner was amazing because there would be times where I would come home at, you know, nine, 10 o'clock from the studio and then get up at, you know, six, whatever, you know, be off at the studio for 6 a.m. And so it was really, you know, pretty much living at the studio for a huge, a very long time to start up, you know, probably until about spring. And, um, and then I kind of had some relief. I, I finally hired a team of teachers being in a small town. It was like, it was so hard to find teachers. It was just, um, and then I was a startup too. So it was like, Oh, come work for me in my startup. And, um, you know, I can't pay you, but I'm sure, you know, some big studios can pay you, but you know, I'll give you a good community. And I tried to make it up in other ways. So it was, it was challenging. It was definitely challenging. Um, and so in April, I, you know, I hired all the teachers and that was probably a game changer. So like, and I just built it. I, you know, I, um, I would say like, whatever you have to do to create your team, whether it's hiring people or, you know, um, you know, you have people that want to volunteer and help, like having a team of people is pivotal and a game changer. Um, yeah. So I would say that was when things really changed for me and I was really able to focus more on building the business and less on, you know, teaching all the classes. Then I cut back to about four classes a week. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I, I keep thinking back to this quote that says, in order to grow, you need to stop working in your business and start working on it. And I think that's mm-hmm. an example, like you being the lead teacher is you working in your business and not working on it. And so it's so important when you reach that point of being like, okay, if the next level me requires more working on my business, how can I hire people who can work inside of it and do an amazing job too? And if you onboard them with your vision of course it's going to go well. So it's just, of course, a very challenging time to think about including other people in the dream that you built from the ground up. So that's really cool. So when did the idea first hit you then that you might want to pass this business along or sell it to someone else? Um, And was it like, I need to get out? Were things going sour? Was something wrong? No. And that was probably like, I almost, Feel like it could have been easier if that was the case but we were just like we were growing um you know the business was it was doing it's really healthy it still is it, it actually they just moved locations because they outgrew the space that I started in um cool. so I'm yeah which is just awesome so um it was probably I mean when we first opened and probably the whole spring time you know my husband and I still kind of thought that Vermont was our home this is where we were gonna you know we were gonna spend the rest of our lives you know this was our kind of forever home and then we started looking at houses and it was at that time where we really we were approached with by a house and we were talking about it and we both kind of were like you know I think we need more from the place that we're going to live. Like, I just don't think that as much as we want it to be here, um, it's just, we, we really had to come to terms with the fact that we really needed more from the place that we lived. You know, Vermont is beautiful. 
Um, but again, being in that rural setting, you have like a couple of restaurants, you have, you know, one grocery store, you have very limited resources. And um, we, we really wanted more of a metropolitan feel. And we wanted more resources, we wanted more community, we just wanted more. So, and then my husband also has um, a syndrome or a phenomenon where uh, it's called rain, I think it's gray nose, I always say it wrong, but anyways, yeah. where he, yeah, he loses feeling in his hands and his feet, and it's really um, pretty rough in the cold, you know, wet. So we, we were like, let's, you know, let's talk about moving somewhere where it's warmer, where we have more opportunity. And so that's where we decided so that we probably like decided, I think we decided in um, like August actually. And then it was then where we were like, okay, well maybe we should just, you know, move at the end of the year. So we'll give one full year to live love yoga. Um, But then we were like, you know what, once we've made this decision, we're just going to want to go. So we were like, let's just do it now. So, um, yeah, so I, right around September 1st, I put the studio up for sale and then, you know, within two weeks it sold, thank God. And, um, it was to one of the members. So, um, yeah. And then it was very shortly after that where we packed up our entire lives and moved across country. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. And I love you share that story because I know that there are so many people who are unhappy in their current town or their current living situation, but they have this thought pattern that, well, this is just the way it's always going to be, or how could we ever possibly make a move? It just doesn't make sense. Or we've bought this house and I'm always the biggest advocate of telling people, well, if your town or your home no longer brings you joy, like then you need to make a change because this is your life we're talking about. It's, it's never a bad idea to make a decision in favor of searching for a better quality of living. And even if you were to move and it wasn't the right spot, well, maybe you'd at least be one step closer to finding that dream lifestyle or that dream location but you have to make those steps and and take those risks to make the change. And so I just think it's very admirable what you guys have done and um, just in search of finding a lifestyle that just more aligns with what you've envisioned. So um, thank you for sharing that story. And I'd love to hear how has it been relocating? Oh my gosh. (laughs) We love it here. So much. And, you know, one of the things that Kevin and I have said to each other is that we didn't realize just how miserable we were in our own, in our old space. And, you know, moving here has really opened up our eyes. So definitely to anybody who's listening, I mean, we left our family on the East Coast. We left our support system. You know, I left my friends, I left my career, all of those things. But if you, again, just like you said, if it's not bringing you joy, if it's not making you happy, then, you know, um, make, start making those, those changes. Absolutely. I could not stress that enough. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging. I mean, I won't lie. I mean, it is challenging. I'm trying to, I don't know anybody here. So I'm trying to break into, and I'm starting a business. That would be probably one of the most challenging things is, you know, I'm not just somebody who can go and drop off the resume and get a job. You know, I'm, I'm somebody who's got a network 
and, you know, launching a business that would be challenging, but it's not impossible. And it just means I have to work a little bit differently. Um, but I'm breaking into an amazing community here. I've joined, you know, um, Kevin and I both joined a yoga studio and uh, I've, I've met women. Uh, I've joined a women's group and I'm making really beautiful friendships. And we have an amazing community where we live and it's just, it's incredible. And I'm so happy, so much more happy here than I think I could have ever been back home. Even though I mean, I'm, I think I'm probably on the tail end of it, but it, it was months of grieving for the loss of the studio for me. I mean, even though the studio didn't close, it, it's still an era that's over for me. And I needed to go through the, that grieving time. And even though I'm so happy here, I think it's, you know, if anybody else is going through this, you know, whether it's a job change or career change or whatever, it's important to pay homage to that time in your life and to, to grieve that time. Um, you know, I think that's really important. So letting kind of that go was tremendously challenging because it was also a little bit of my identity too, you know, being the business owner, being, you know, wearing that hat and being the yoga teacher. And now I'm making the shift more into a coaching business as opposed to the yoga side of things so it's a lot of transition and so um it's definitely been challenging but extremely rewarding as well mm, so cool i just think that what a exciting chapter in your life and so much ahead and the fact that you know you are making the effort to join the studios and to get out to networking groups it shows that it is possible to reroute yourself um anywhere in the world where you want to go so now that you've moved, you are no longer working at the yoga studio and managing that business, you've created something really exciting and have created a program and some online coaching. So it's kind of like a new beginning or almost a rebirth for you. So walk us through what you've created in the last few months. And I know it's still early for you, but just share with the listeners, like, what have you since pivoted into doing. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you said that word of rebirth because that is absolutely uh, correct and accurate. So I, again, have shifted really kind of away from the, the teaching of yoga, you know, the yoga classes and more into that coaching role. And the reason for that being is that so many people would approach me at the studio or even just throughout you know, my journey, and they would come and they would almost have these coaching sessions with me. And I would, you know, talk to them and I would coach them through things. And it would always kind of revolve around the things that I love, which is the meditation and the yoga, the, you know, regulating the emotions and all the things that we kind of learn through the practice of yoga and through the practice, uh, the mindful practices. So I decided to, that inspired me to create a coaching program that it revolves around those tools. And we do have asana, which is, you know, the physical practice of yoga. And we do have, you know, pranayama, which is the breathing techniques. And that is um, integrated into the program. But it's mostly, it's not like yoga with the intent to, uh, like for a fitness. It's more with the intent to integrate self-care and 
all those things I talked about disconnecting from the body, a deep intimacy and connection with your body. So then you can become one with your body and really tune in to know what you want, not just in life, but in each and every moment. You can say, you can just rely on yourself and trust yourself to know where you're going. So it's eight weeks, it's eight modules, and each module we have one that's you know breath with that meditation in there, and then there's some um, ones that are focused solely on coaching and integrating these things into our lives. Because I think that is one of the hardest and most challenging things that we deal with today is that we're all crazy busy. You know, whether it's working on our career or our family life or what, even if it's things that bring us joy and light us up, we're constantly in that go, go, go. It doesn't really leave a lot of space and a lot of time for, for cultivating that deep intimacy with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So what this program is all geared towards, it's integrating those things into your life in a way that's sustainable. So it's not this, you know, I, I think that programs like this are amazing, but it's not like this huge um, life overhaul. I think if you need that, that's awesome. So this is more subtle. It's more baby steps and things that are going to take you anywhere from five to 20 minutes so that you, it's sustainable. It's not something where you do it for 30 days, like, you know, the whole 30 and then you're, you know, you want, then you're done with it and then you go back to your lifestyle or, you know, maybe you hold on to some of those things. It's not like a 30 day program. It's a lifetime program. So these are things that you're going to live out for the rest of your life. It's again, that awareness of your breath, that taking the pause um, that now I do subconsciously, you know, sometimes it is consciously, but a lot of times these habits or, you know, these practices just become a way of life. And that's what I'm trying to do through this program, or that's what I am doing through this program. Mm, I love it. And did you ever have any hesitations around branding yourself as a coach? Or did you really feel that because of your yoga teacher background, um, that it was a logical next step? And that you mentioned people were already coming to you um, and doing kind of mini coaching sessions, just probably through regular conversation. But was it easy for you to move into that space of saying, hey, I am a coach and I can help you through this program? You know, it's a little bit of both. It's, it actually, it was challenging because I think it's always challenging to rebrand yourself. You know, you, you're known as one thing and now you're going into a new space. And so you're always going to have, which I think is more on yourself than anybody else. Um, like you've got to get over that for yourself. And I've, that's something that I'm telling myself that I've got to get over that, you know, this hesitation of, you know, the rebranding and I kind of just, it's again, you kind of just have to take the step. You got to take the risk. So Mm -hmm. I did just rebrand myself and it's still a little scary because also I am kind of doing, you know, I do private coaching, which is just, you know, um, it's not the, the, the yoga program, you know, that's separate from, that's the group coaching program. Um, and then I do the private coaching. Um, so the, the challenging part is I think forging a new path. And when I do a lot of market research, I mean, there's not a lot of people that are doing kind of what I'm doing. And so it is kind of hard to brand yourself and figure out what exactly it is that you're doing. 
Um, I always have known that I wanted to go into, you know, a therapy or coaching um, career, I guess, or occupation. And again, that's where like the social work came in. And I did go, I did take a, um, a coaching program. So I am a certified life coach. And then I think just all of the life experiences combined has really been preparing me for this moment. And this is what I feel I was meant to do from the beginning. Um, so it's just everything has really been preparing me for this. And that's the attitude that I try to take on as opposed to I'm rebranding myself or, you know, I'm breaking into this new space. It's no, this is what I've always been meant to do. And the yoga studio, everything has just been leading up and preparing me for this. Mm, I totally agree. And I, I love just digging into people's past life experiences and pulling out what it is that they learned from every single job and every single phase in their life that they can now apply to. And if it is a coaching business, a coaching business, because like you said, everything has been preparing you for this moment. And in 10 years, you might do something completely different, but this point in your life will be preparing you for that next step. And I think that uh, once you start getting really clear um, to tuning in to your next evolution and to who you're being called to be and who you desire to pivot into, then it, it really all starts to come together into why your life has unfolded the way it has. So really inspiring to hear your story and about this new chapter in your life. And I can say personally that I, I've just been so amazed at what you've created and how you've been able to pull so much of what you're good at and what you're passionate about and all of your life experiences and wrap them all up into this beautiful program. And it's called Strive for More. Is that the group and the private option or what's the name? So, yeah. So um, the group coaching program is Strive for More. And then my kind of umbrella is Rebecca Rose Holistic Coaching. So that's where the private coaching would come under. And then the Strive for More is the the, the yoga program, I guess, because there is a private option for that. If you just wanted to work with me one-on-one -on -one and go through those modules, there is an option for that. And then there's the group program. Yeah. Gotcha. Very cool. Well, I, again, could chat with you all day. There's so much more that I feel like we could talk about, but for this conversation, I know that uh, I think the listeners have gotten a really good snapshot of your journey and, and kind of the pivotal moments in your life where you've changed and you've made a decision to keep on moving forward to find that best life and to ultimately find your most visionary life, which is extremely inspiring. So if people want to learn more about you, Rebecca, where do you want to lead them to? Absolutely. So my website is RebeccaRoseWall.com and my name is spelled with a K-A-H instead of the C-C-A. So it's um, Rebecca with a K. And then my Instagram handle is my name again, Rebecca.Rose.Wall. Um, and those are the probably the two best places to stay updated and get to know more about what I have and what I have to offer. Amazing. Well, I'm so happy that we were able to find a time to record this and that even I could learn more about your story because as much as we did get to work together, uh, we didn't get time to just chat about your journey. And so I think this has been really neat to just open up and 
dig deeper. So thank you for being on the podcast and I wish you all the best and I know we'll stay in touch. So thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Kelsey. Thanks for listening to this episode of Visionary Life. Did you learn something new or are you inspired to take action on a new project? If so, please get in touch with me on Instagram at Kelsey Rydell or in our secret Facebook community. Just search Visionary Life by Kelsey Rydell on Facebook. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It helps us share the stories of visionary entrepreneurs with more and more people. If you're interested in working with me, just head to KelseyRidal.com. And if you've been thinking about joining my 90-day business coaching program, please reach out and book a free 15-minute call, and I'd love to chat with you.